Thanks for joining us in the Robinette's Nest with Chuck and Christy Robinette, where we discuss the empty nest and beyond. Hi, this is Christy Robinette. And this is Chuck Robinette. And this is the Robinette's Nest. We are discussing today about Edgar Allan Poe and spirit guides. So back when I was 13 years old, I had an unlikely spirit guide that appeared to me the infamous infamous Edgar Allan Poe. And I wrote about it in a book called Forevermore. Correct. Um, and it talks about uh, Edgar's journey with his life and with my life and intercepting with Chuck's life. And I actually wrote the book without anyone knowing that I was writing the book. Well, we were kind of living the life without me telling what was going on. Yeah. Too. So it wasn't until I wrote the entire book that I handed it to Chuck and said, um, I think you better read this. Yeah. And a prelude to that, we would go on family vacations and just vacations, the two of us, to places that were kind of like odd, places you wouldn't just necessarily go to, not the beach, not, although we did go to one <laughs> or, you know, to Disney fun. World or, you know, to whatever. <laughs> no, we kind of ended up going to like Baltimore and Charleston and places, I guess. Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina. That wouldn't be just normal family or I don't know, vacation destinations. Sure, I guess, yeah. Normally. No, and but there was a rhyme to the reason. And I was being pulled years later with regards to what Paul wanted me to do mm-hmm. because he wanted me to tell his story. And in order to tell his story, we needed to go to these different locations. It was sort of like he had given me a outline of a puzzle, but I needed to get the inside of the puzzle put back together to form the entire puzzle okay. picture. All right. And so we we did that. And, and the book also discusses past lives and how Chuck and I had a life with EAP back then as well. In, in uh, EAP, Edgar Allan Poe. I yeah. had to think about that for a second. You did? Oh, the well, acronym? Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's Ed, Eddie. Ed, Eddie. 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 I don't know if that's he likes what he Eddie. Actually, no, that's what he really? went by. Yeah, Eddie? he went by Eddie. I have never heard that. Yeah, he actually preferred being called Eddie. Hmm, Edgar. So he was a very well-hated man. Yes. He was very testy and moody. But um, he was also brilliant. Brilliant and actually very kind-hearted and very romantic. Hmm. And when I put the book together and I gave it to my publisher and I said, I don't know if you want to publish this or not because it's a little peculiar. <laughs> and Chuck was actually... He always believes you always believe in me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do. Yeah. Like, I have no reason to been, doubt anything. Yeah. But you were very concerned about me releasing this story because, because it, it sounds crazy. It does sound crazy. It sounds like it's a fictional book. Like it's just totally made up. And actually, none of it was. None of it's made up. No. Although for just a common person, a normal person to pick up the book and read it, not knowing anything about it, they'd say, oh, this can't be true. But it's true. It's so true. And not only is it true, because I say it's true, (laughs) we put puzzle pieces together. We actually did this stuff. That made sense to what had happened. And the end result was that he wanted his name cleared. 
He didn't want to be considered the madman that he was and is still considered. Correct. And he didn't want his death to to be in vain and it be considered that he committed suicide or that he drank himself to death or he had an overdose. And, you know, and a lot of people, when I do sessions with people who have loved ones that had, um, you know, had an accidental overdose, it's interesting that they come across very vehemently like that as well. Like they want, they don't want revenge, but they want to clear their name. They don't want those yeah. rumors to be talking, you know, to be their legacy. And I guess you should just remind people that you are. Oh, I am a psychic medium. <laughs> I am. Because if this is the first episode that anyone has ever heard, they're thinking, what? Professionally, I talk to dead people. Yes. And does. they're so much more living than we are. Mm -hmm. But it is. It is a story. So I put the story out. I put it. It was called Forevermore. Forevermore. I put the book out. And instead of getting like this crazy girl. Yeah. I actually got phone calls, emails, messages from people all over the world that felt as if they had also channeled or been guided by Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. People that are famous, people that uh, lead, quote, normal lives, True. people that aren't you know, professional talk to the dead, you know, like they, they felt like they channeled this creative force as well. And the th weird thing is, I mean, Edgar Allan Poe, I don't think he or anyone fully, maybe everyone listening out there fully understands how many fans he actually has or how many lives he's impacted. Literally. I, I don't know. He's huge, huge. Well, he's the person that coined the term, uh, short story. Yeah. So he is the one that created the short story. He is also the one that created science fiction. Yep. He's the one that created mysteries. Yeah. And he was an amazing poet and he could Correct. involve all of that into his work. Writing, yeah. I mean, we're both wearing an Edgar Allan Poe shirt right now. Because his merch is huge. Because today. <laughs> the today that we're actually taping this is the date that, um, and I get really upset, like it's a best friend of mine, who he kind of is, is the date that Edgar Allan Poe died, that he was, he he succumbed to his murder. Yeah. And yes, you heard that right. Murder. He was murdered. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of theories that he had rabies. There was theories that he was connected with an election, um, situation called cooping where they would drug or have someone over drink and they would change their clothing and then they would make them vote as different identities. Um, and that he had alcohol poisoning. Uh, there are a lot of different theories that he had a brain tumor. You're listening to the Robinette's nest with Chuck and Christy Robinette. Yes, you are. So there's lots of theories as to why Poe died, but none of them have been correct. True. So we ended up, I kind of did this thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my, my finger on the map and our kids are a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, we're going to go on vacation at this place. And it ended up being Solomon's Island, Maryland. Maryland. And so we, we, I rented a home 
off of like Airbnb or VRBO or something along the lines of that. And, you know, so sight unseen, right? You look at the pictures online and you see the bedrooms and there was like, there was like three bedrooms on the first floor and then there was a big bedroom like a on the second floor and it was a block away from the ocean, ocean. and it looked amazing. So the kids were very disgruntled because they did not want to go to Solomon's Island, no. Maryland. Right. And when we pulled up, Oh my gosh! It I started like crying. Something out of the Beverly Hillbillies, and I don't mean when they ended up in California, kind of oh, like where they started out. It looked like a shack. Yeah, it looked like something out of Friday the Thirteenth. Kind of dilapidated. It was weird. It was back. It back to state land. Yeah, state park. It the houses around there were mostly cottages. Yeah, smaller. They were on Hudson Bay, right? Yeah, it's Hudson Bay, isn't it? Chesapeake. Chesapeake Bay. Bay. What am I thinking? I don't know. And. So I immediately started to try to figure out how much it would cost to stay in a hotel for the week that we were going to be there. And we didn't have the money. We, no. we just we had spent all our money on this. We drove there. Van. <sighs> we did with four kids disgruntled mm. that we were going to be there. <laughs> and we walked in and it was, it was amazingly beautiful. beautiful. It was such a nice place. It really so what we come to find out was a lot of those cottages are left to look a little uh dilapidated dingy, yeah, dingy so that people won't break into the house. Right, because they're basically rentals. Yeah. So but it was beautiful. And it ended up when we moved after that, we ended up taking a lot of the decorating tips from that house yeah, and we put it right. into our, our newer house. So because we it was just it, I can't even describe it was so airy, it was so different. And the weird thing is to this day the kids say that was one of their favorite vacations. They absolutely love it. Yeah, and they were mad because you couldn't get like any Wi-Fi, you couldn't get telephone, yeah. and they're teenagers with their cell phones at the time. But the reason why we ended up there was because we had to visit Baltimore. Baltimore. And um again Chuck included mm -hmm. with the kids was like Baltimore. Out of all places. Why are we going to Baltimore? Baltimore, Maryland. So I had kind of a list of the things that we had to do. And one of the things we had to do is we had to go to Fells Point, which is where Poe was last seen. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see his grave, obviously, and, and pay respects to him. Which we did. Since how many years, you know, decades, I had had a relationship with him. And so we're lost. We're in Baltimore. We are so lost. We look <laughs> lost. There's six of us looking like little ducklings, not sure where we're going. And this guy, he was a professor and he stopped us and he said, can I ask, can I help you? Can I show mm -hmm. you? Cause obviously we looked lost Yeah. and we were like, we were looking for Edgar Allan Poe's grave and he was so charming. And he's like, let mm -hmm. me tell you how to get there. But you need to get in. And get out. And you got to get out. A lot of crying. Apparently, a lot of people hide in the cemeteries yeah. and they mug people and they don't care if it's morning, noon, or night. And his grave is like on the grounds of, what is it, a church or something? It is. He's actually got Weird. two gravestones. Right. Because he's got the one... He, he, there's a history with that. There's a whole story that's like another Edgar Allan Poe story with it. So it was when he died, he really was penniless. Yeah. He, he was trying to sell his stories. 
he was trying really bad to become famous and known. Isn't it interesting how he's so famous and known now? Yeah, now. And he had a critic who hated him, whose name was Griswold. And so when he died, he only had seven people that attended his funeral because he was so disliked. Yeah. And it was his arch enemy that ended up writing his obituary under the name of Ludwig, which was actually Griswold, though, right. and called him a drunk and yeah. called him just just horrible things in an obituary that you should never write. Right. So because he didn't have much money, they buried him in an unknown grave. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they got him a gravestone, but it was even his casket. They ended up moving him next to his wife. And the casket that was ordered for him ended up, there was a train accident and the casket was destroyed (laughs) in delivery in the train accident. Like it was just like this guy couldn't be more cursed. Yeah. And, and he lived that cursed life and he died that cursed life and his afterlife has been like that so much so too. And so, um, so we visited you know, both of his graves and you, you leave trinkets on the yes. graves. And and you do that. We did that in New Orleans for Marie Laveau yes. as well. You bring them flowers, you bring them alcohol. You put pennies down. You do. Yeah. And we did. And we did. Yeah. And, um, and that's just something that is to, you know, kind of give your remembrance. And it was a great vacation. Again, I love Baltimore. It's still one of my favorite cities. I don't know if I'd go to it again now, but we went to it actually twice. We Once did. With, yeah. We went know, to all Gettysburg. All the kids and one just with the two kids. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it was a good vacation. I mean, we spent a day in Washington, D.C. We did all that and saw the monuments and things. But it was a... <laughs> Parked illegally in a yeah, fed parking structure. With the FBI. And, yeah, it was just kind of... <laughs> Saw Abraham's we saw the, theater. Yeah, the Abraham's theater. Abraham's theater. Where did the, that come from? The theater, the Ford Theater, where yeah. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. <laughs> like I know him, like I know him by first name too, Abraham. And then there was a. We saw that <laughs> across the street is like a museum, and they had the the bed or whatever that he was laid off, and you could see his blood. It was weird, but it was pretty cool. It was very historical, very much fun. And again, the rest of us had no idea why we were there or why. You chose Baltimore, but we, again, we went back twice. So we ended sense. up having, so he kind of played some tricks and haunted us at the house that we were staying at yeah. as well. Um, it's kind of haunted. Yeah. It was, it wasn't kind of haunted. Yeah. It was very haunted. So the poor girls, your girls would yeah. not sleep mm-hmm. upstairs because they were being taunted by a spirit. And I couldn't tell you guys that it was. Edgar. No, you can say that. And so they, I think they ended up sleeping downstairs. I know at one point we were all sitting at a dinner table and we heard a tap or whatever. And someone was typing on your computer in the other room. Yeah. So, yeah. So that kind of freaked them out too. Well, a little bit. And the lights were flickering. Yeah. And then we had a mouse in the house. <laughs> so that was not caused by Edgar, by the way. Yeah. But, and then we had frog. Fo- frog. We had a... <laughs> tropical tree frog out on different colors yeah we had a fox in the backyard or a couple of them they were yeah. we were feeding them cheetos and yeah it was good good times who knew fox loved cheetos but who they knows? love cheetos 
yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, but it was through that experience that he helped me kind of build the story. And then we continued that story into Gettysburg and then we went back to Baltimore, to, Baltimore, to Falls Point, to Point on 4th the 4th of July. July. Yeah. And we ate at the, the, well, the tavern or the restaurant, whatever now, a bar that was the last place that Poe was at. And it's called a La the horse you rode in on now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So we did that. And I got to talk to the employees at that bar as well because it said that Edgar haunts that bar because obviously that was the last place that he was seen kind of alive. Right. And they leave a glass of, I think it's it's cognac. They leave out for him every night. And if they forget to do it, like a shot of it, and if they forget, then there's always some mischief that's happened <laughs> in the kitchen or on the bar. The curse of Poe. So it was a lot of fun to talk to people around there that were very connected to Poe. And it wasn't done in a cartoony type of a way. So both times that we went, we knew it had something to do with Poe. Did not know it's because you were writing a book on it, but it was just the history Oh, we're going to go see this because this is where Poe was buried. This was the last place he was seen alive or blah, blah. So know? everyone's got a spirit guide. Yep. So some people want to know, like, what is a spirit guide? And it's pretty much a broad term. It can be referring to an angel or uh, an ancestor or a benign spirit or an animal totem. Or even sometimes people, you know, consider their imaginary friends their spirit guide. And what we mean when we say spirit guide is that it's somebody outside of ourselves that help us on our life journey. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be somebody famous. It, they don't even have to be named. A lot of people want the human name connection to it. But, you know, I've, of course, I've talked to our kids and told them who their spirit guides right. were and you, right. you know, we've talked to who your spirit guides and they, tr they transfer um, according to what's going on in our lives too. So if we're sick, we might have somebody else that comes through as a guide, or if we're going through financial difficulties, there's somebody else. And typically it's someone that is a professional, if you will, that understood that situation. So someone who is good with money that wants to help you with money or somebody who had that same ailment that's going to help you through mm -hmm. that ailment. So a lot of people want to know, well, how do I, how do I find out who my spirit guide is? Right. Yes. And it's, I wish I had like a magic wand. Like <laughs> you just like click this button and this name comes up and that's your guide. Like, like ring this bell and then you'll know. <laughs> You've got to go to your friendly neighborhood psychic to find out who. Well, no, not necessarily that, that either. Cause I actually, that's my least favorite question from someone who's, who's my, my guide. Game? Cause I saw too many Sylvia Browns with. Uh, oh, Native American. It's going to be an Indian. Oh, yeah, the name is Stomping Moose. Pocahontas. Whatever. So the best way to get in touch with your spirit guide is for you yourself to get in touch with your spirit guide because you're the one that has that personalized connection yeah. too. So to meditate, yeah. most people roll their eyes because they don't like it. They don't want to. That would be me. It's like, you're, you're like, I'm so excited because I want that t-shirt to run that marathon, but I don't want to work to get to that marathon <laughs> running, but just give me the t-shirt. Just give me the t-shirt. Why not? Well, no, you've got to work at it to earn that T-shirt to run that marathon. 
So meditation, you can honestly just relax and envision yourself in your your happy space, whether it's the beach or a forest or next to a stream or an old house that you loved or whatever. It can be whatever makes you happy, whatever kind of brings your your vibration higher. And then you just simply have a conversation with your guide and you say, who are you? What is your name? You know, you simply kind of have that interaction as if you're meeting somebody for the first time, even though they've been with you maybe since birth. And the first thing that you got in your mind, you've got to trust. So that is going to be the name. That is going to be who they are. That is going to be your info. It's, you know, I just gave you $200 worth of information right wow, there. Right I know. there. Send your checks to. If you're not a visual person or an auditory person and you can't really meditate and you really don't want to work out to get to that T-shirt. <laughs> that, that would be me. Then you can do what's called automatic writing and you can journal. And you can actually do what's called free writing. And you can write on the top of the page, who are you? What's your name? What do you want me to know? And it can pop up in your head or you might just start writing something and not even recognize. I'm just going to ask you and you can just tell Oh my gosh, that's cheating. I know. But that's like you've got the hamburger sitting I, on the counter and you can make the hamburger gonna, in the frying pan, but you're going to go through McDonald's anyway. I'm going through the drive-thru, damn it. <laughs> the other way is you can dream of your spirit guide. And before you settle down to sleep, set your intention that you want to meet your guide. And it might take a few nights before you end up getting the information. Make sure you have a notepad next to you or your phone so you can scribble the information that you get. A lot of times we've met our guides in our dreams and we don't even know it. And it's those strange people that we see in our dreams that we don't know who they are. And we wake up and we go, there was a crowd of people and I don't even know who that was. Um, pay attention to the signs. So if, so Poe sends me uh, feathers. Feathers. So I get feathers with Poe. Um, so that will, is sometimes the way that they'll show that they're around you. Our loved ones on the other side do the same thing. Well, my spirit guide is a French Canadian. So is he going to leave empty beer bottles for me or? If you want him to, <laughs> but I'd prefer that it's, not to be the case. 10 cents in Michigan. We have We've got cans and cans and cans in the garage uh, of pop that we need to I take need back. I don't, I don't need any more. Returnables. Okay. okay. Look. I'd rather coins. I keep coins. saying maybe there's a coin shortage because heaven's stolen all the coins. It could be. I find a lot of coins too. Yeah. Um, the other way that you can you can devise a, a name or information is through tarot cards or runes or oracle. I don't really love that way, but you can do that. Consult a um, psychic. Can consult a like psychic. Like I said, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. But I don't love, you know to do that you can also just keep speaking to them and you'll hear you know the messages they're they're outside of yourself they're not your higher self but they will give you information kind of a forewarning this is like the halloween forewarning uh -oh. before you interact with any spirit guides or anybody from the other side you want to make sure that you have the best intentions and you want to open it up so that you don't connect to a negative or a mischief maker, or trickster. And so you want to state something like, I request this for my highest good. I request only the higher energies to talk to me. 
before you use any spirit-seeking methods because you only want the loving and well-intentioned guides to come through. And that's why we don't play with Ouija boards, boys and girls. It's true. Well, it's all intention, right. right? Right. I mean, you can get you can get mischief or trickster messages from tarot or oracle as well if you don't have a higher vibrational intention that's out there. Yeah, sounds like too much work for me. <laughs> well, you do have me. You have yeah, me. Yeah, it's a lot feet. easier. Just so it's. Who's my spirit guide and what's he want? You know, I always thought that, you know, Poe must be like Stephen King's spirit guide or like, you know, something like that. Because I'm not the only one. He doesn't just guide me, by the way. Without Poe, there might not be a Stephen King. It's true. Seriously. No, there would not have been a Sherlock Holmes. Nope. Nope. Because, and actually Poe was super psychic. So I don't know if you guys know that, but he actually solved a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. And he wrote about it. Uh, but he wrote about it in a fictional way. And most of his stuff was written fictional. That was actually experiences that he had, you know, here I am in 2020 who sometimes still feels like, Oh my gosh, I'm afraid to say what I do for a living. Can you imagine 1840? Yeah. It'd be like the Salem witch trials all over. For sure. The other thing that you might not known about my Mr. Poe is that if he had lived, Mm-hmm. longer he would have been an amazing advocate to the slaves yeah he was so against slavery he was so connected to the black population and that was one of the reasons why i believe that he was murdered because he was an advocate for the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. before there was an Underground Railroad. Yeah, even I knew that, right. And, I, I mean, what an amazing man who got such a bad, crappy reputation true, true. for... Can you tell that I'm very passionate very about passionate it? Very passionate about it, and rightfully so. But did you like did you like Poe before, yes. like me? Sure. You did? I mean, in the literary world, mm-hmm. I mean, how many... Famous authors, and I don't want to talk about Shakespeare or whatever, but say American authors. How many of them can you really name? Or, I mean, I, I can't even name that many that are that famous. And I don't mean like Stephen King or people now. I'm talking about back in the day. I'm a crazy one. I can name a ton. But Hemingway. but I'm also an English major. Yeah, so okay. So I guess that's a that, That's an unfair question for but me yes, to But yes, always a fan of Poe. Always loved him. Uh also, and you haven't mentioned that he was instrumental in you and I meeting each other. That's true. So if we ever get in a fight, I can blame Poe. <laughs> but no, no. Yeah, I was always a Poe fan. Uh, even when we went to Baltimore and Asheville and Charleston and all these places, knowing that Poe had been there and done everything, didn't put two and two together. I didn't know that's why we were there until, again, you wrote the book and I read it. And I wish I would have known why we were there then, because I would have been a lot more excited about it. Although I was excited. <laughs> I think you were excited. Well, I was anyway. excited regardless. But I mean, it would have been a little bit more historic for me. I was like, oh, that's why we were there. Because like, why would we go to Baltimore twice? You know, I mean. Poe also loved cats. And if you heard that howl, that was my cat. Poe loved cats. And actually, after his passing, like soon after his passing, his cat, his beloved cat died. And that's weird. That was another thing when we were in 
Charleston, we took a we took a quiet cat. <laughs> we took a tour, and a guide was taking us all around, and it was like a Poe tour. And I looked up on top of a building, and there was a cat all the way on the top, looking over the side at us. And it was kind of freaky. It was cool, but it was freaky. But it had to have something to do with Poe. Oh my gosh! Remember so that? the the yeah. So the tour guide said to me, she looked at me. And I never told her who I was or what I was there for or anything. And she looked at me and she said, do you think that that's Poe? And I, <laughs> cause, because we were, we were, um, at the place where Annabelle, Annabelle. yeah, had, was written like the right, reasoning Annabelle for why Annabelle Lee was written. And I just looked at her and I said, absolutely. And that cat, she says, no matter what night she did a tour on, a cat, it wasn't always the same cat, but there was always a cat on the roof Looking. overlooking the tour. I mean, the front paws, it was laying down, the front paws were hanging out over the ledge and they were looking like twinkling eyes and looking at us. It was, was just so studying everything yep. that she said. And she said she always wanted to make sure that she got the story right because she was afraid that she was going to disappoint <laughs> the, cats the cat at Edgar Allan Poe. But yeah, pretty cool. And so it was, it was, it was so, that was so cool. And the cat actually jumped down and it kind of followed us halfway yeah. home. And it was so surreal because the streets emptied. I don't know if yep. you remember. Mm -hmm. And there was just fog that was coming yep. in. in. Charleston. And there North, was, there was, it was just like everything emptied. And it was like just you and I mm -hmm. and the cat. And the cat. Yeah. And so that was amazing. And that was in Charleston. Yep. Yeah. That wasn't in Gettysburg. That was nope, Charleston. That was Charleston. Um, and because he served there, he was actually in the military and he, and he served right there in Charleston and he didn't, didn't have a lot of money. He no. kept begging his father for money. Who was actually a stepfather yep. and his parents were actors so, I mean, no wonder he was so melodramatic. He got the genes from both of them. Yep. But well, I am not the only one. I do not claim him as, as like, he's only guides me. Like, I know right. he guides other people. You ask me today, you're like, do you, is he around all the time? Yeah. No. No. He no. He pops him when he needs to. He does. Pretty much when he needs something, not when I need something. Right. By the way, could you drag your husband to Charleston and Asheville <laughs> and Baltimore? He's, he's a bit, um, he's a bit narcissistic. Yeah, I mean, that's why he was not he was, loved. He was both. He was both. He loved my mother, though. Okay. And he would sit <laughs> next to my mom when she was having her manic episodes. Yeah. And it's like he understood. Huh. And that was. That was always the kind of Well, that was part of the reason why he drank and all that, right? Because he had that, was it migraines? He had some kind of a. He had terrible migraines. His stepfather had beaten him. Yes. Very badly. And so he just wanted the pounding to stop in yep. his head. And so doctors had offered him opium. Right. Because at that time that was a cure. Well, he didn't like it because it didn't make him clear headed. Mm -hmm. It didn't stop the pounding and it didn't, it made him fuzzy. But at that time, you know how like a lot of like business people nowadays will use different types of stimulants yeah. to help them, you know, along their, mm -hmm. their journey to have energy and to work right. longer. <laughs> so the literary community 
was actually abusing opiums at the time. And he was not, but he got wrangled up in thinking that because he was such a brilliant mind. Right. And because he did sometimes come across as being drunk or on drugs, because if you've ever had a migraine, you slur your words sometimes and you mm -hmm. act, you know, your head is pounding. So he was, oh, there were so many rumors that were so untrue about him. And so misunderstood. So misunderstood. So I try to be his advocate as much as possible. And you do a great job at it. Thank you. My book currently is not in print. Nope, Forevermore. Forevermore, guided by Edgar Allan Poe. I do have some copies. Yep. Um, and Poe wants more to happen yeah. with his story. So and we will leave it at that. We will just say that it's not over. It's not over till it's over. It's not over. So rest in peace, Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, Eddie. And until next time, this is Christy. And this is Chuck. And this is The Robinette's Nest. Thanks again for listening to The Robinette's Nest with Chuck and Christy Robinette. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for the next episode.